And we are recording the Quest Cast. Thank you for being present here, gentlemen. The supplest of Yuan's, John Yuan John. The strongest of tents and camps, TJ Murakami. And myself, Mirth. What are we talking about today, boys? What are we talking about? Let them know. We're not entirely sure. We've talked about uh, talking about flexibility and commenting on a uh, on a conflict that exists between two gentlemen in the fitness sphere, namely Lane Norton and at uh, flexibility dot research on Instagram. I think his name his first name is Dan, uh, but we know nothing about this. We 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 haven't uh, followed the uh, the conflict or the arguments. Uh, we haven't watched any videos, so we we're hoping to make a really a really inflammatory comment on that conflict without knowing anything about it. Uh, we mentioned talking about food because we think people like to hear about food. Uh, food brings people together, and uh, we want to bring people together because that's how we become popular. Tell me more about this conflict. Sure thing. So there's this one guy who said something about flexibility. His name is Lane Norton. Um, Shout out. Shout out, indeed, to Lane Norton. Now, Lane Norton, uh, he, uh, he was talking about static stretching in one of his YouTube videos. And it went a little something like this. On my Instagram. And, you know, I know we've got low-carb zealots, plant-based zealots, fasting zealots. I did not realize we had stretching zealots as well. And I managed to tick them off with this post. So what was the post about? Well, it was about, should you stretch on your off days from lifting? And when I say stretch, I mean static stretching. There was a paper by Barbosa et al. where they looked at if we have people stretch or not stretch on their off days from training, how does that affect their performance? They had three different groups. They had a control group that did nothing on their off days. They had a static stretching group that would stretch for three sets of 30 seconds for their hamstrings. And then they had another group that would do dynamic stretching, which was 30 reps for a dynamic stretch. So they looked at how it affected various performance measurements, including things like their triple hop and their jump and a 20 meter sprint. And what they found was that the group that did static stretching after 10 sessions actually had a small but significant decrease in performance in all the measures except for their 20 meter sprint, which 20 meters may just not be long enough to see the differences between the groups, or maybe it just doesn't matter for sprinting, who knows. Now the dynamic stretching group did not see that drop off in performance. They were just as good as the control group. Now what does this mean practically for you guys? Well, it's just one study, so let's not get too crazy about it. But it used to be hypothesized that you definitely don't want to static stretch before your training because there's quite a bit of data to show that if you static stretch for long periods of time before you do resistance training or some sort of exercise that requires like power and force production, that it can attenuate those. But some people said, well, you know, stretching helps with active recovery and you should do that in your off days. It still looks like there might be a carryover even if you stretch on your... You got a bass <laughs> and cameo from my daughter. It does appear like there is some carryover oh from stretching on your off days from. So he just showed him getting a video from his daughter and that automatically, I don't, I don't know what the research is going to say, but that makes me trust him as an authority.
Mm. And also he's jacked, he's strong, and he's natty. And he talks fairly fast. He's very passionate. <laughs> it's there's he loves something myth busting, okay? Mm. He's not like other girls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my preliminary thoughts are uh, that I think there are a lot of myths about static stretching that we, uh, I think we should investigate a bit closer because um, there are a lot of people think they have to stretch statically uh, to do certain things to their recovery or to their body or to their performance. So I'm happy that somebody, you know, addresses it. Um, my, my first concern about this comment is attenuating like decreases in force production when you're static stretching, you kind of have to look at the duration, the time between, between when you're static stretching and when you are actually performing. Um, many of the studies that have looked at static, static stretching and how it might lead to decreases in uh, force production, like in those studies, they go from static stretching and fairly quickly to any type of exercise or a movement. Um, but that's not how most people stretch statically. You know, they tend to do it a bit. They tend to walk around for a bit. Um, they don't necessarily, you know, jump right to the exercise right after they've stretched. In this study where they're looking at static, static stretching on off days, I don't know enough to make a comment. Um, but I have a feeling that any decreases in performance is not that noteworthy. That's just my feeling though. What about you guys? Did he say, did he say what exercise they were using to test? Uh, it was a broad jump, I think. Oh, it was a broad broad jump, jump distance. And they were measuring force from, from the hamstring. DJ, you were going to say something, sorry. I didn't want to clarify. Oh, no, it's just, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, I, I, it fits my bias. I mean, I don't static stretch. So, you know, I yeah, but look at you do. onto that narrative. Um, that's interesting that just 30 second, three 30 second sets would make a difference. Like, what if you're just sitting in a deep squat playing dice for 30 seconds? Is that going to affect your performance the next day? You know? Yeah, it's hard to believe that would make such a difference, but um, I could see how it wouldn't help. It's not very specific to sprint. Like, if you're going to say for a deficit deadlift or for range of motion or mobility, then even that 30, like 30 seconds, so short. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we haven't, <laughs> this is, this is the most uninformed opinion we will make, hopefully that we will ever make on a subject because we don't know anything about the study. We, we only read his interpretation of what seems to be the abstract. Uh, and we don't Which know so much better because the graphics are awesome. That's true. That's true. Training, at least from static stretching. What are some potential limitations of the study? Well, Many athletes have heard about the fact 
that if you static stretch before a training session, it can decrease your performance. It is possible that these subjects in the static stretching group had an expectation that their performance would be lower and that may have affected their performance because you can't really blind somebody to dynamic versus static stretching. They're going to know what they're doing. So it is possible that that expectation played into it. So we do need more studies in order to know, okay, is this a real effect or is it possibly a placebo effect? However, I would say you're not really missing out on anything by not doing static stretching. You can do dynamic stretching instead if you need to get a stretch in for active recovery, better flexibility, those sorts of things. I would say skip the static stretching or keep it to a minimum and focus on dynamic stretching. It's also important to note, it may be muscle specific. This study only looked at the hamstrings. So we don't really know what that means for say the quads, the biceps, you know, other muscles, who knows? It could be that the hamstrings are actually very sensitive to static stretching and load, those sorts of things. So we just need more studies before we can find out more. If you're worried about maximal performance on a specific day, perhaps in the lead up to the performance of that event, try to limit your static stretching. All right, guys, if you like this video, make sure you like the Well, first, I would like to officially thank uh, Lane Norton for bringing some nuance into uh, into this discussion, or at least into his observation on the study. Because the, the limitations that he mentioned, I think are great limitations to, to actually mention like a, a nocebic effect or a placebo effect as well. And also he mentions that he's only looking at one study here and that there needs to be more evidence to come up with any sort of conclusion before you actually start banning static stretching from your practice. Um, it seems to me actually like, cause the response that our, our flexibility research friend um, whose name is Dan Van Zant. Dan Van Zant. Uh, his response was a meme, a meme, a meme um, that looks like this. I'm going to show it to you now, DJ and Jonathan. You all know this meme. You know the one guy with a mm. with a girlfriend who's looking at another female and the girlfriend seems distraught and yeah it basically says person with phd that would be the boyfriend i love talking about memes and the girlfriend the jealous girlfriend is their specialist subject and then the uh, the girl in the red dress the one that this guy looks longingly after as he makes an o shape with his mouth uh on her, it says, subject they know nothing about. Mm. Uh, I think, um, Senor Dan Van Sant, I understand. know that's about that. Hmm? Oh, he references it. Oh, he references it. Yeah. That's right, DJ. Okay. I do my research. I mean, Maybe that's a topic that. in itself. Should we listen to someone who like uh, who's an expert outside of their specific field in something? Um, because can you have a PhD in mobility? <laughs> in mobility or can you be training? a can you be a doctor of uh, a chiropractic doctor and talk about mobility? You know where 
what's the closest you get there, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course a person can talk about something they don't have a PhD in. Of course, like we're we're whoa, whoa, we're, whoa, we're whoa, talking whoa. about things we have no idea about. I'm a generalist specialist, okay? Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot that there's a four-year certification. In the sense that you're you're specializing in just skimming the surface of most <laughs> subjects. <laughs> I read the cover of every textbook I can get my hands on, okay? <laughs> All men's health covers. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but like the the thing about, um, like of course somebody can talk about something they they don't have a PhD in, uh, and I think like flexibility research is the guy who has the financial bias to want to support static stretching. So, understandably. And Conspiracy. there always is just always follow the money. Money always goes to bad people. No, but like that's that's a limitation that we need to take into account here. And we also need to take into account that maybe he knows something about this subject that Lane does not. But I, th I mean, if you listen to what Lane says, he's he's talking about limitations. He's talking about the fact that this is just one study. And he says, you know, there's probably nothing bad about static stretching, but if you're, you know, you're going to compete in some sort of um, physical activity that's, uh, that relies on a lot of uh, explosivity, I don't know, force production, whatever you want to call it, maybe minimize or lower static stretching, static stretching leading up until that comp, which I agree with personally. And if you're going to compete in something, you want to work specifically on what you want to compete in and try not to do as many other things. And that's one thing about static stretching is like I mentioned in the beginning, I think there are so many myths uh, that encourage people to do stra static stretching. And I don't necessarily think that static stretching is that necessary, especially as it relates to those myths like making your muscles longer, uh, decreasing injury, decreasing soreness. Do you guys static stretch? I do. I actually really enjoy it. Like not for the benefits, just like the feeling of sitting in a stretch. It feels good. In terms of uh, microdosing, DJ, microdosing, static stretching. You start um, with three second holds. You know, it's not going to affect you in any way, like in a, in a, it's not going to provide you with any hallucinations, visual or audible. Um, you're just going to feel a bit better, just a tiny bit better. Interestingly, speaking of microdosing on, on cannabis, I enjoy stretching, just going into a stretch and holding it. It just oh. feels amazing. But mm -hmm. outside of that, in a, normal state yeah i really don't have a desire wait 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 what do you mean normal wait, state dj how dare you baseline wait wait neurotypical state john there you go <laughs> um i'll i'll hit i'll just hinge over and yeah i'll go into like a, a hamstring posterior chain stretch and i just we'll go slow and just hold that the back the backside stuff <laughs> oh the back chain the back, muscles yeah. i can't see in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fun. um it's cool 
It, yeah, the, 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 um, our tendency to stretch really fascinates me. Like this, uh, this yawning and this stretching and our just, you know, like almost natural need to stretch our bodies. Pandiculation, yeah. Stretching and yawning at the same time. Because like, you, see, you see animals do that practically all of the time. Um, and yeah, it's, it seems like it's like this kind of inner itch that we're trying to scratch, but I don't necessarily think it, it does anything particular to the body besides, you know, any, um, small changes to like hormones or like state of our nervous system, maybe. Because a lot of people talk about, you know, the n natural need or tendency to stretch as being there because it is a biological imperative that we do so, that we need to stretch these tissues or do something to the fascia. And like, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't believe that you can change the tissues to a great degree when you... I, I would say that is true for children, but not so much adults. In what, what, what kind of way? I think it's more long-lasting structurally if you do it as a child than if you're an adult attempting to start static stretching in mm. order to change your, your structure and tissue. Mm. But uh, like, are you talking about the pandiculation type of stuff or are you talking more? No, about I mean like... A long-term static stretching. Long, long holds, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with um, in that I can agree. In, in general, like kids are just more adaptable and plastic than what we are. So they whatever they do is probably going to lead to greater changes. And like there are studies that show very small, like microscopic changes to the tissues after long term stretching. So it does something. It's very difficult to do something to the body for a really long time without it doing something to the body. But well, that's like the, two plus minutes, right? That research. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you I mean only... more longitudinal in terms of like um, volume, right? Yeah, yeah. Like for several months. Mm. Right now, I'm referring to Multibuck studies. Like she's uh, brilliant when it comes to stretching. Uh, Muddy Multibuck. If any of you guys want to check out some st stretching studies. Um. She's in Norwegian, though, so expect her to be fairly conservative and nuanced, a.k.a. boring for you Americans. Um, oh, darn. Long live the monarch. <laughs> you no just learned about the monarch. <laughs> just learned that you had a king in Norway. I was like, what? <laughs> Somebody needs to keep us in place. Wow. It's surprising you guys have a dictator. <laughs> well I, I think i think talking about flexibility or mobility like this is kind of interesting because it, people who are proponents of static stretching for the benefits right um who say that static stretching can help you become more flexible usually reference uh some practice that has done that like for example in wushu a lot of static holds are done in wushu to stretch um, you do have a lot of dynamic stretching as well, don't get me wrong. But that is one example where people often bring up like, oh, but look at these people, you know, they, they got the middle split, 
Um, they're able to hit ranges of motion comfortably uh, without pain. Uh, and they've done primarily static stretching as a modality. It would be interesting to see if um, you could change that. You know, like if you, and I don't know who would be willing to do it, <clears throat> but if let's say a, a wushu trainer or, or somebody in a non-fitness um, specific field uh, switched out their traditional modalities for, let's say, scientifically based ones, I wonder if you would actually see a difference in performance from that. Because I don't yeah. know. That'd be an interesting hypothesis. That's one of the issues, in my opinion, when when fitness cultures look at um, more specific cultures uh, and activities, they try to extrapolate elements from those cultures and then try to use it in their own modality or training system or training philosophy. Like they they look at a wushu um, martial artist and then they go, oh shit, they're doing the pubu stance. I should do that because that's that could be the reason why they're so flexible. Or hey, the mabu stance, which is now has now been made popular by many a movement culturist. And the thing is like, yeah, like that's a part of their practice. But if you look at percentage-wise, how much time they spend in a mabu or a pubu compared to everything else that they do. Like maybe it's the everything else that they do that gives them the be like the effects that we see. Same thing for dancers, like you uh, uh, doing like a, a split type of exercise on the bar or doing a grand plié is not going to give you the qualities of a dancer. Like it's a part of the practice, that's true, but the practice is usually a lot bigger. And this is, I think this is something that it's a mindset that we adopt because it's very difficult to conceive of a practice consisting of many parts. Because, you know, for fitness cultures, a practice is what? Eight exercises per day, six maybe, four, three if you're hardcore. And then you have how many workouts per, per week? Let's say five. How many parts does that add up to in total? Not a lot compared to other practices. And so it's, it's so easy to start becoming enamored with the power of one exercise or one element. And then you try to just take that from another practice, insert it into your own, and then give it tons of value. I'm not saying that there isn't value there, but if you're looking for the value that those, those uh, practitioners have, then you need to do what they're doing, not one thing that they're doing. I also think you need to grow up how they grew up. Oh, I was hoping you were just going to say, I also think they need to grow up. And you need to grow up, yeah. <laughs> because it's not just their practice as an adult. It's like, what did they do? Who was the person going into the practice and their whole history, physical history? Yeah. Um, yeah. It reminds me of gymnasts who did it as a kid and then didn't work out for 20, 30 years. And they have these amazing capacity and capabilities that they didn't even know they still had. And that always amazes me. Like, it, wow, you didn't train that or really access it, but it's just part of your history and who you are. It's mm -hmm. still there. So then, you know, you could overlay as an adult, any practice on top 
but did you look back far enough and look at the the archives of what they could do exactly so it's it's so hard to control you know yeah how can you control for that but i don't think that's reason for people to lose hope though because somebody could hear that and be like oh it's too late for me to start and i don't think that's the case i think it's just different like you, you have to accept the fact that there are different modalities that you as your own individual person and body uh, will have to use if you want to achieve similar or the same skill set so skill sets yeah yeah and i mean if if people lose hope about the fact that somebody has started way earlier than them and are better than them then it's also worth you know checking in on your motivation as to why you want to practice something it's always going to be someone who's started earlier than you and who are going to be better than you and somebody might have just have latent talent that hasn't been untapped yet you won't know that until you practice for a really long time but yeah choose your story Oh, my story shows me. Is it a um, picture book or a... It's pop-up. It's a pop-up. Don't you get a little bit of joy when you get like a little pop-up card? Oh, it's one of those old Disney books. Did you guys have those? Like, oh, the ones where you had like the tabs on the side and you can like move it? No, it was like you would, you would listen to a cassette tape as you were reading the book. And, I mean, and there was this, when you hear this sound and there would be like Tinkerbells or wind chimes or something turn over to the next page and it was so nice because it was like reading without reading because <laughs> someone was narrating what you were reading and told you when to turn the page it was kind of like being in the movement culture but only as a child <laughs> you never had that dj no what, what books did you read as a kid <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of blah i kind of don't remember those years <laughs> Are they blocked out or are they blacked out? Oh, I blocked them out. Hey, real quick, we just want to give a shout out to our Movement Quest members. To those of you who have not currently subscribed to Movement Quest, you can do so by going to movement-quest.mn.co to join. So I guess the first person I would like to give a shout out to is uh, Rachel. Rachel, we've known you now for about how many years, boys? Three? Three years. We're going to say three years. Uh, And it has felt like a lifetime. Now, you can interpret that in any way you'd like, but you've, you've made an impact, and we're very grateful for you. I'm going to give a shout out to Nikki, who has also been with us for an equally long amount of time and who has also just, if I believe correctly, closed on her house. Congratulations, Nikki. And I would like to give a shout out to Kenzie. And the special thing about our community, the cool people you run across, is that we have someone here who actually, believe it or not, uh, researches the dreams of birds. Um, they just uh, invented this device that goes under their beak and up into your, their brains. And you could actually record uh, the beautiful dreams and the worlds that these birds fly into at night. And they're seeing some fascinating things here. We're going to save that for the community uh, 
research group we have going, but we'll keep you posted. A big thank you to the University of Lisbon and their collaboration with SpaceX and to Kenzie, Nikki, and Rachel. And Neurobeak. Back to the episode. The Is there anyone up. here who reminds you of um, somebody that you know, might have... Put uh, that hood back on over your head, Mirth. <laughs> Red Skull Papa? Uncle Tom? Uncle Jimmy? <laughs> Uncle Tom. <laughs> God, read the room. <laughs> Uncle Tommy. So, so yeah, bringing, that's better. bringing it back. Timmy. <laughs> Uncle Timmy from A Christmas Carol. Bringing it back to <laughs> static stretching. <laughs> Um, do you guys like as, as coaches, do you guys ever recommend static stretching? I tell people to do it if they want, like if it feels good, I, I don't discourage people from doing it. Hmm. I like the way I think about it is like static stretching is great. If you are dealing with a person who has a hard time getting in and out of a position and who are uncomfortable in a specific position. Because, I mean, all static stretching is is spending time in a position, right? And certain movements are are more catered for static stretching. Like, it's more challenging. At least you have to be quite a lot more inventive to do um, dynamic mobility for front splits and, and side splits and maybe some other weird poses. But, but yeah, I think if... If you look at a person do a dynamic stretch, like they're doing, let's say, let's say a Cossack squat, and you see that they, they have the potential to spend more time and go into a greater range of motion in that Cossack squat, then you just take away, you know, the superfluous range of motion, like the thing that's happening on top of that, and make them spend time in that position. Like that, I don't see why why it should be a controversial thing. You're basically just honing on, in on the thing that you want to improve. Mm. Um, Would you consider a resting squat a static stretch? If it stretches. I mean, th that's the thing. Like, are, you, are we talking about static stretching in terms of the sensation or are we talking about it in terms of range of motion in a place? Because sometimes you want to use static, stretch and, static stretching to improve a person's tolerance to the sensation of stretch right because a lot of people are very afraid or they get very um there's a lot like of I'm, I'm, gonna tear, I'm gonna tear something or x y yeah yeah it's like if you're, you're trying to teach a person how to do a backflip you know you have to learn how to manage the the sensation of fear before you ask them to do a freestanding backflip you have to kind of work yourself through that fear uh, of course, um, Joe Rogan and Jocko Willink boys, I understand if you, if you would say just jump into it, face your demons and all of that. But in general, if you're not an alpha alpha male, um, then yeah, it's a new, it's a new, uh, <laughs> it's a new thing I'm working on. It's for alpha males, but who don't eat elk. Cause I now understand that there are people who don't eat moose meat and elk. Um, yeah, but like in general, you kind of have to work yourself gradually through that fear. Same thing with with the sensation of stretch. 
there's fear there, there's getting accustomed to that sensation and learning that it's not necessarily a dangerous thing. In that case, you know, um, you want to work on that stretch tolerance and then static stretching is a great thing. Then static stretching could also just be spending time in a position uh, just because you want to improve the, the demands of the position. The demands of the position could be, let's say in a resting squat, your tibialis anterior strength, like your ability to pull yourself into dorsiflexion. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel a tremendous stretch in your calves uh, or in your hips, I don't know. Um, you would then be focusing more on the strength demands there. So is it static stretching? That depends on how you want to define it. I just, I just say hang out in the position because I don't like the term static stretching because people get so many different. Yeah, uh, there's so many different ways that you can interpret to, it. Yeah. Yeah. Is anything truly static in life? Mm. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of things that are yeah. static. Your idea of progression. I was going to say something like rocks, but. The atoms are just, they're just vibrating very slowly. <laughs> Have you been talking to our princess again? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Like, it's it's nice to put words to things and you know create terminology, just so people understand what we're talking about. But a terminology also also makes the perception of something rather fixed, right? So, like the idea of static stre stretching, should it should you feel a stretch? Should you not feel a stretch? Should it be active? Should it be passive? The act of putting that label on it creates so many more questions, which is great if you investigate, but the more you investigate the questions, I think the more it should encourage you to step away from that label as well. Um, it should kind of free, your, free, free, free up opportunities to play around with the idea because a static stretch is just an idea. And so maybe you figure out, oh, you know what? Um, this, this hair position, even though it doesn't stretch, can be a static stretch. This position, um, here we can do something about it to make it fall into the category of static stretching. Or we can just not call it static stretching and improve positions instead. I mean, um... It's just like, even if we found the most effective way to stretch and get into a position, I would still be hesitant if I want to even gain that position. I'm just weary of why do you want it? First of all, I mean, that's what I have to ask myself. And uh, what are the benefits and risks? And what's what's the return on investment? And what's the energy I'm going to have to invest? What's my priorities? Um, and that's individual in the end. I don't, I don't want to sound like the there's functional people who will say certain stretching or, or gaining certain positions isn't necessarily a good thing. But that's assuming that positions are good or bad. And I think depending on what you want to do, there's going to be more useful or beneficial 
investments of energy into training and ranges of motion. And then you can layer on top of that, not just ranges of motion, but what are you doing in those ranges? Dynamic, static, what torque are you training in? I mean, like you said, just specifically, if you want a position, hang out on it. Hmm. But it's like, are you thinking you need that position for something else, for a, a squat, for strength, for your low back pain? You know, that's where I'm interested in is like the why. What do you, what do you think it's doing? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I, I don't necessarily promote static stretching, I'm not going to try to come to its defense. Um basically because I don't think there should be, I don't, I don't think a conflict between whether or not static stretching should be done or not should exist. Um, movement is movement. If you move, if that makes you move, if that makes you happy, then go for it. But the reason I'm not going to be a staunch defender of it is because I personally feel like I've seen better results getting people to do the thing they want to do instead of doing the static stretching they believe leads them to that thing. Mm. You know, like, I, I, there's a lot of leg, leg work that often needs to be done because often people have these expectations, you know, like I need to, I need to stretch my hamstrings to be able to do this. I need to stretch my uh, adductors to, to be able to do this. And I was wondering if you know about a great exercise, exercise that I can do in order to do another exercise. And in certain cases, you know, taking a break from the thing you've been working on for a really long time and doing something else is a could be a good thing. Maybe there's um, shit, I don't know how to say this in a non douchey way, which I've learned from other movement gurus, maybe there's a link in your kinetic chain that needs to be addressed. There's a hole you need to fill. <laughs> But I use that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Somebody's ascending to the guru state right now. <laughs> but but yeah, like I've I've just seen more results finding a good strategy for how you relate to the position or the exercise that you want to do. Like f how figuring out how to deal with the main thing instead of trying to address minor things in the hopes that it's just going to automatically unlock something in the main thing. That that's usually what works, you know, strategies. What's well, interesting, speaking of modalities is I've had people ask me, Oh, should I, should I do yoga? Because I heard it's, it'll help with some things or it's um, good for this and good for that. Um, and I'll be like, Hey dude, try it out. If it feels good, keep doing it. And then when they try it, they, they, it never ends up being about the thing they were trying to get from it. It's like, Oh, I actually, it's actually a fun practice where I could relax, breathe. There's a little community there and a it's an experience that they enjoy and that alone helps things. So then it's like, they're going into it thinking from the physical level, I need to achieve these stances and positions, which will then give me a different shoulder and body. But it's like, oh, you just found a new thing you enjoy doing that gives you, that gives something to you. It's a value. 
And it's like, well, then just keep going with that. Yeah. I can only help things. Like we're such a complex system. <laughs> we want to like find the thing that it's going to give us and do. And it's like, uh, the experience itself is probably worth it. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's such a cool thing. Like we, we don't engage with the movement or the tissue or the technique or the exercise. We engage with the entire context uh, of what we're doing. And that's often what ma what makes us appreciate it. And that's often what makes us continue to do it or not appreciate it and not do it. But that's, you know, the problem that I see when you have people who are uh, very staunch defenders or promoters of one thing, like, let's say, static stretching. Because, again, then you make that one thing into a bigger thing, which is a belief and then maybe there's an entire community around that thing, static stretching. And maybe there's books, there's literature, there's, um, there's a support network behind that one thing. And all of a sudden, it's not about that one thing anymore. It's about, you know, your compadres, your, um, the, the time you've invested into reading the books and reading the studies and everything else. I don't think it deserves I don't think it deserves that much support. <laughs> I think it instead deserves, you know, processing and experimentation and thinking about it. Especially if it's a small thing like that. Final thoughts, you two. Uh, stretch if you want to stretch. And and love yourself. There you go. <laughs> Aww, I, I, I was hoping you would say grow up. <laughs> and fucking grow a pair. Why don't you? And do some loaded stretching. Why don't you just lift the weight eccentrically and concentrically through a range? <laughs> <laughs> grow a backbone where your wishbone is. Look, proxim proximal stability. I ever heard of that? <laughs> Final words, John. Um, it, it's probably worth doing in certain scenarios for certain specific things or for specific goals. Like I would strongly recommend a person to do static stretching if they aim to improve, like they're at a high level and they aim to improve their side split, front split, back bend, um, maybe some other positions, but you know, make sure you do the main thing, do the thing you want to do that you want to improve and figure out a good way of relating to that. Oftentimes when we start to look for supplementary exercises or other ideas, it's because we're noticing a plateau and there might be some worth in doing other things when you reach that plateau. But in most cases, you have to change your approach to the thing that you've plateaued in. And that's when you need to identify habits, uh, maybe beliefs you have about the thing. So take a step back. Instead of taking a step towards the main thing, take a step back for your own practice, reassess, adapt, improvise, overcome. Jocko Willink. Maybe get your rib cage stacked over your pelvis mm. so that you stop opening scissoring that canister. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that's great advice, and that's advice I also also would listen to if I it came from someone who knew how to breathe. Well, diaphragmatically. It, it, I'd respect you more if you kept the tongue on the roof of your mouth when you talk to me. Well, when you're saying this, I can literally see your upper trapezius pulling your rib cage up. You fucking troglodyte. <laughs> your fascial lines offend me, sir. <laughs> wow. wow. I might have to put a timer on for this one, but we'll do that for the next episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>